None of this would have happened had I not, one, had the courage to go up to a stranger. Now, you know, sometimes I see celebrities and stuff and I'm like, I don't want to go up to them. I didn't really have the same urge if I see a a normal celebrity, but if it's someone who really changed your life, like to just go for it and you never know what it could lead to. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Yo, yo, what is going on? How are you? What's happening in your life? Thank you for being here yet again. Um... I am I am feeling feisty right now. I'm I'm feeling fired up about this podcast. Um not just this episode, but the entire thing. A lot of uh a lot of things seem to be moving into place with it. And and I wanna give a shout out to a friend of mine, Brian Whalen, who has just he's kind of become obsessed with the show and um it's been awesome. Like this is a guy who is super successful. Like every time I'm around him, I feel like I'm just not good enough in in every area. And he has been so encouraging, so positive, so fired up about this show and what we're doing here. And it, it really, really helps. And the reason I bring it up he actually has made a, a connection to me with a potentially really huge connection that will help on the business side of things. And who knows if it goes through or not, but just the fact that he did it is 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 really incredible. And, you know, I bring it up because the show is all about how do you guys get encouraged by the guests that come on and, you know, taking a step forward and, and all of that. But I bring up Brian because he didn't have to do this. You know, he, he he likes it. And sure, we all like things that our friends are doing or whatever. But he's gone out of his way to, to you know, have me over to his house to go, listen, this is what I like about it. And this is what I think. And, and I love this guest and I love this. And it, it's just a reminder to all of you and to myself, just hook your friends and your family up with with your thoughts and your intentions and go a little out of your way to serve them. And it's just, it's like magical. It's magical. So I'm so appreciative to him. I'm I'm so appreciative to any of you that are listening right now because just listening is support in and of itself. I love when you guys send direct messages, um, when emails come in, when I see reviews, when I see you screenshot something and put it on Instagram or, or whatever social media. It's just, it's, it's really very much appreciated. And I just can't express that enough. So thank you. Um, all right. I will shut up with all of that and get into the episode. I'm super excited for you guys to hear today's conversation with Sahara Rose. She is a, a real superstar in her space, which is Ayurvedic medicine, as you likely read in the episode description. She's a best-selling author, a top-ranked podcaster. But what I really 
love to get into on this show, as you know, if you've been with me, is what's underneath that success. What did it take to get there? And you look at Sahara and she's young and she's beautiful and she's got this Instagram following and this big podcast and fancy friends like Deepak Chopra. And you just want to think like, who is this lady? Come on, this is annoying. You know, I'm not going to listen to this, but don't make the mistake of misjudging because what I love about her and her story is that she is bold, like really bold. And she's not afraid to put herself out there and and deal with people thinking and sometimes commenting on Instagram and other places, those very same things. You're too young. Who do you think you are? But what she is, as you'll hear, is fierce. So I'm not going to explain what she's done. You can hear it for yourself from her, but just know that everything she has now came out of sickness came against the wishes of her parents who wanted her to follow a more traditional route and came from being incredibly prepared when a really great opportunity came around. I love her plain spoken ability to take an ancient philosophy and make it accessible to me, to you. I love her warmth and I'm inspired by her ability to spread the good knowledge that she's acquired. Sahara Rose. So I'm going to start with an annoying question because you've probably told this story a gazillion times and um, I want you, we're going to get into some fresh things, but to give my listeners context, would you please share the story of when you were at the seminar and you stood up and got on stage? I think it's amazing. And then I'm going to kind of dig back from there. Yeah. So... I had written this book, um, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, and even the process of getting that book deal was a lot of no's, like got rejected by probably 30 publishers um, for all of the reasons why I thought I wasn't good enough to write the book. Like I was just getting that reflected back to me by actual people. So finally I got this book. It's published by Penguin Random House. um, And my dream since the time I was a kid was to meet Deepak Chopra to, you know, just to know him. Um, and when this book was almost done, it was going to print on Tuesday. This was like a Saturday. I, in my head for that whole year, I was just thinking like, how could I get Deepak Chopra to read my book, write a quote for my book, something for my book, but how am I ever going to meet him? I mean, I like stalked every member of his family, tried to figure out ways, but nothing was panning out. Those guys traveling all over the world. So I, met with someone from Instagram that we were just like Instagram friends. He's like, oh, come to this yoga and science conference in New York. Had never met him in real life. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll just go see what's there. I'm sitting at this conference. I'm in the back. There's like a thousand people. It's in a university and I'm very bored. It's very just like yoga is good for you for this many ways. And it's like, okay, I'd rather just do the practice, not like learn all the scientific benefits. And I remember thinking in my head, the only thing that could make right now really lit is if Deepak Chopra walks on stage. They keep talking and they're like, okay, now it's our lunch break, which was when I was going to leave. They're like, it's our lunch break. Oh, and here's our sponsor, Deepak Chopra. And he just walks on stage, says, hello, everyone, and walks (laughs) off. He was not a speaker or anything. I did not know he was involved in this conference. And I just look and I'm like, this is probably the only time in my life I'm going to see Deepak Chopra in person. So I just need to go for it. So I walked through the auditorium, through the crowd of a thousand people onto stage, onto the backstage where he's standing and talking to someone. And I'm just standing next to him, staring at him. He's probably like, who is this person? And then he like looks over at me. He's like, hi. And I'm like, (laughs) 
hey, Dr. Chopra, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> I'm pretty much just like, I wrote this book, um, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. And At you that were point similar. in his mind, it was like, right, right. Yeah, exactly. He probably, now that I know him, I'm like, damn, he gets this all the time. But I was like, I wrote this book and I would, you were such an inspiration for me and I would love to send you the PDF to look over. He's like, yeah, sure. Here's my personal email. And I was like, this is it. I got his email. Like, this is the highlight of my life. Just like, even just that interaction would have been enough. Um, so I'm like deciding what I'm going to put in this email and the book is going to be printed on Tuesday. I'm like, how am I going to get a quote from him in like two days when he hasn't, isn't even going to chance to read the book. So I send it to him, but like, even how I emailed it to him, like I, I'm really into manifestation. So I, even the way that I worded it was like, this email, this book is going to bring Ayurveda into the world. Like I was saying things that I didn't even truly believe about the book yet, but I was like, this is going to be the book that's going to change everything for Ayurveda. And like, (laughs) I would be so honored for you to be part of this book. And almost like, what a great opportunity for you, Deepak Chopra, to be part of my book. (laughs) But I was just like, I'm just going to go for it. And, um, and I sent him the email. I'm so scared. I'm like, oh my God, that was like the biggest ask from a total stranger. And um, I'm in New York. It's really busy. I'm crossing the street. He hadn't emailed me back. I was kind of nervous about it. And I remember I'm crossing the street. I'm halfway through the street and there's a homeless guy and he's on the other side of the street. He's like, can someone help me cross the street? I'm stuck. And I remember thinking in my head like, okay, sorry, you say you're such a good person. This is someone that needs your help, help him cross the street. So I turn around and I'm like, oh, where do you need to go, sir? He's like, I actually need to go like two blocks down into the subway. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be definitely miss my meeting, but sure. So I take him by the arm. I can still like smell like his like very foul, pungent odor. And I just start talking to him like, so where are you from? Turns out he was a refugee from Iraq and he had two sons, a doctor and a lawyer. And I was just, we're having this great conversation. I was just really surprised how I would have just, you know, assumed he's just a homeless person and not known this incredible depth to him. So I walk him, I put him into the subway and, and then the elevator is about to close. I'm like, sir, by the way, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm going to Rutgers University. I'm a doctor of physics. And I remember thinking like, wow, like physics, I would have never assumed he was a doctor of physics, which is actually Deepak Chopra's work too. So I turn around happy with that, you know, interaction. And I look at my phone, there's an email from Deepak Chopra, like that second that I let go of this man's hand. And it's like, Hey, are you available to talk on the phone right now? I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> the voice of God. <laughs> like, yeah, like, let me just check. This, uh, this is like sure. Morgan Freeman calling me right now, you know? And I'm like, what's he going to say? Oh my God. Oh my God. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, sure. Here's my number. Calls me right away. And he's like, what are, where are you going to be like in two days? And I'm like, I'm actually flying back to LA tomorrow. I'm really sorry. I don't live here. He's like, oh, perfect. Because I'm doing this conference in San Diego and I would love for you to come and to have a meeting with you after. I was like, okay. So I literally flew back to LA, like straight from the airport, like drove to San Diego and was about to meet with him. And I remember just like sitting in the crowd, watching him talk for like four hours, just like so scared of even just like, I'm going to talk to this person after just like being that close to him. This is like a celebrity for me. And, um, and then after he walks off stage, he like points at me, he's like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, Oh my God, what are we going to talk about? And then he takes me to this, like his hotel room where there's like four of his, um, team and they start asking me all these questions. How are you at the conference? This, that I'm like, I don't know. I like kind of snuck in my friend invited <laughs> me for Instagram. Like, um, and 
he's like, I went through your book. I absolutely love it. I would love to write the forward of your book and have you be on the faculty of my organization, JIO, which is his essentially like educational network. And I was like, okay. And we, I remember we did an Instagram video together and I was like, what just happened? And I, and from there we've done challenges together. He wrote the forward of my other book. He's like a mentor in my life now. And none of this would have happened had I not one had the courage to go up to a stranger. Right. Now, you know, sometimes I see celebrities and stuff and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go up to them. I didn't really have the same urge if I see a, a normal celebrity, but if it's someone who really changed your life, like to just go for it and you never know what it could lead to Two, had I not helped that homeless man. I really believe that this was like a test from the universe to see, would you respect someone with maybe the same knowledge, the same wisdom, a doctor of physics, as much if he was a homeless guy who is keeping you from your meeting, who is getting in your way, who is everything that you did not want at that moment, would you give him the same respect as you would for someone who represented esteem and respect and valor? And the fact that I said yes is what caused this to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing story. I, I actually think there's another component, uh, which is part of my reason for asking because people hear this story and they're like, oh my God, she just had the courage to go do it. And then she helped the homeless person and, and then it worked out. And then they go to do something similar. What they're leaving out, and I think it's a big thing to leave out, is the actual work you did. And so that's what I want to talk about too, is that book because you could have done the exact same thing, helped the homeless, exactly. everything. But if you handed him something that was not fresh, not new, not researched, not even didn't even exist, yeah. you know, how many people are like, well, I want to do this, I want to do this, but they didn't actually do anything. They don't have that thing to hand to the person, let alone hand them something, but hand them something good enough that a guy like that who's in such demand actually calls you back mm -hmm. and invites you, you know. So how long did that book, was it two years that it took to write that? I'm sure it's your whole life in a way, but, yeah. but what was the process of writing that? And that's the Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. Yeah. Ayurveda? Ayur Ayurveda. Ayurveda. Yeah. Ayurveda. And Ayurveda I I is like a, the world's oldest health system, sister science of yoga based on mind-body connection. So nutrition, self-care, mental health, all of that kind of stuff. But I actually wrote, so Ayurveda changed my life, saved my life because I was in such bad health condition that I tried everything. I went to so many different kinds of doctors. My body was shutting down, digestion shutting down, hormones shutting down, hair falling out, lost so much weight. Couldn't even like live normal life without fainting all the time. And no one could figure out what was the problem. And I went to everyone. And until I found Ayurveda, which changed everything for me, I finally felt understood. But at the same time, it was really old school and it didn't really make sense for today's time. And there was so much I wanted to change about it. And I would look for modern books, books that apply to today's world and there wasn't anything. So, and this was when I was 21. And I knew then that it kind of came in my head, you have to be the one to create this. Had hmm. never met an author, did not know anything about the publishing world. So I decided I'm just going to write a book on Ayurveda. So I, that took me two years. I called that book Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. And again, I was just all day just writing, writing, going for it. And I was a health coach helping clients. But at the same time, my family was like, writing a book on Ayurveda, like no one even knows what that is. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're like, <laughs> you know, people thought I was crazy. My friends thought I was crazy. And it was this almost like 
fully diving into something that I had no idea what the return would be. I didn't even know what that path looked like. I just knew I had to get this done. So I did. And it it took me two years and I spent all my money on hiring editors and graphic designers. And then at the end, I'm like, I guess I'm going to just self-publish this. But part of me was like, oh, I want to see this on the shelves of like Barnes and Nobles. I want this to be an actual bookstore. I put so much of myself, you know, my relationship with my parents was like, horrible. Like they, they did not understand what I was doing. And I pretty much gave up everything for this book to happen. So I'm like, I just really wanted to see it on shelves of bookstores. So eventually I figured out that you need a literary agent and literary agents are the ones that talk to publishers. So I'm emailing all these literary agents. No one's responding to me. Finally, I meet this girl who's an author and another one, another one until I'm connected to a literary agent. And then she's like, sure, we'll, we'll shop your book and see what what we hear back, sent it to 30 publishers, everyone, she's too young, no one knows what Ayurveda is, no one gives a shit. Can I pause you for a second? Yeah. So, sent it to 30 publishers, I think people hear that, it's a throwaway, sent it to 30 publishers, no, and then you go on with the story. M- and that yeah, takes a couple that, months. That's what I want to yeah. point out. It's like, it's all of these things, it's this thing that now that I interview people, yeah. and I, I'm interviewed by people, I realize We'll say something in a conversation and it's a throwaway, you know, sent it out to 30, 30 people. No, sent it out to 30 publishers. That's phone like, calls, yeah, that, thinking that's it's gonna work a lot out. of energy. Yeah. That's a lot of hope. That's a lot of disappointment. That's a lot of time. You yeah. know, that is, so that in and of itself, people just need to hear that. Sorry, go on. Right. I just, and I think a lot of people just in that process, they would have been like, they're right. No one, no one does give a shit. This isn't going to happen. My own family is telling me it's not going to happen. No one around me is telling me it's going to happen. I've never even seen this happen for someone. So (laughs) why am I thinking that this is going to happen? But it's just something deeper within me just had me keep going. So after that happened, even the literary agents like, okay, I've, I've tried everything. Like, sorry. Um, she gets a call from Penguin Random House saying, we're looking for someone to write the official idiot's guide to Ayurveda. And she's like, well, I know this Ayurveda girl. I don't know if you're going to be interested. They said the same thing. She's too young. But she said, okay, well, if you want, she can just write, you know, a chapter or something. You can see how it goes. So they had an uh, author who you have six months to write these books. Typically, she was four months in. It was just so much work that she quit. She didn't turn anything in. So they're like, okay, if you were to write the table of contents, how would you do it? This was the previous one. And you have a week to do it. Most people would just kind of edit that table of contents. I changed everything, sent an entirely new one and sent it back the end of that day. Hmm. And then the next day they're like, okay, if you were to write that first chapter and it's a specific tone, it's like, you know, the idiot's guide series of books that are everywhere. It's like a very specific style of writing. They're like, how would it be? I literally went to Barnes and Nobles. I probably read 30 idiot's guide books that day. I stayed up the whole night and I wrote that chapter and then I turned it into them that morning. And then within two days I was hired and you would think that that would be a really exciting achievement, but I'm like, oh shit, (laughs) now Now I have to write a whole new book and I'm trying to make my book happen and I can't repeat myself in any way. And they're both about Ayurveda. So how am I going to do this? Because I still was trying to make my thing happen. So it was really, really tough because part of me was like, I don't really want to give my all to this book because it's kind of like I'm like hired to do this like anonymous idiots guides book. Right. But... I, it's even harder to write when you're like, how can I half-ass this? Then, yeah. then, so I was like, okay, maybe I'm going to die next year. I don't really know. Maybe this is going to be the last book people know from me. So I'm just going to give it my all. And 
and I'll just go from there. And my book will happen if the time is right. So I did. And it went on to become the best-selling Ayurveda book ever. The best-selling Idiot's Guide book has sold more than 50,000 copies in the past year. Holy and, crap. Yeah. And when, when was this? When was it published? Last August. Last August. Yeah. That's the crazy thing in listening to prepare to talk to you. You know, I met you and I kind of assume this has been really going on for such a long time. It's really you are, you know, you are doing so many things, but this is relative. This is very new. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it, ha- incredible. it happened super, super fast. And even how did it go on to be a bestseller? I've probably been on hundreds of podcasts. Like I publishers, I don't know how it is in acting, but in pub- the publishing world, you don't write a book and they're like, here, we're going to make it famous for you. It's up to you. And the reason why it's so hard to get a book deal is because they rather go to someone who already has an audience who is guaranteed to get sold versus a new person without an audience and a demographic. So I had been blogging from the time that I was like 19. So that had really helped of just like having that community. But that book launch, I mean, I read so many books on how do you do a book launch? Like, how do you orchestrate that? How do you write press releases? How do you submit things to magazines? Like, how do I do all of you that? You just figured it out. Figured you, it out. Yeah. And um, and for me, what I found that works best are actually podcasts because people can hear your voice and can hear what they relate. But then I realized, like, actually, what I think is helping people more than just this Ayurveda and what's more exciting to me is just, like, the process of anything. It could be Ayurveda. It could be gardening. It could be acting. It could be anything for you. But, like seeing something to fruition. And I think the universe assigned me something as random as Ayurveda. Cause it's like, if I can make <laughs> this happen, no one's even heard of it. It's another language. Like, yeah. Then you can make, you know, your business plan or whatever it is happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you've been, you know, so you said you had a blog you, here in the brief time that I've known you, the word that comes to mind is fierce. You are and, and courageous, like you really throw it out there. Um, the blog, you were 19 when you started the blog. So where does that come from? Your parents, it sounds like were more traditionalists and mm-hmm. they were not into all the, so where was, was it something, were you born with this fiery, um, spirit that you're just like, screw it. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to write a blog and I don't care if people are going to talk smack about it. Like I'm putting it out there. Is that or did it have to be cultivated or did someone help you along with that? You know, I think it's both. I think that I had this intrinsic desire within me to share and to use my voice to help others. So I've always been drawn to something like a blog or a podcast or just talking to people because I like communicating. However, I for sure had fears. I mean, like when I started blogging, people thought bloggers were so weird. No one understood what it was. My whole family is like obsessed with privacy because they're like, you want to put your information on the internet? They're going to kill you. Like, you know? Um, So I definitely would be like, am I, is this stupid? Like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I putting myself out there? Why I have these haters for no reason. Like, why am I even in this? But then the desire for me to share and to uplift people would always triumph that. So you have these haters out there. Like what, what would like uh, an example of a hater be? Is it just like people that will say something on the comments of Instagram or are people, is it, what, what's the gist of their hatred? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that if you're doing anything in this world, you will attract some haters. Really what it comes down to is people who aren't comfortable with being themselves that when they see you being yourself, it triggers that part of them. That's not. So it could have been when I started blogging of like, you know, who do you think you are talking about this? You're not a doctor. 
That, right. though, so that then with the Ayurveda book, who do you think you are changing Ayurveda? It's a thousand, multi-thousand year system and you are who? And now that I just share, it's a lot of people are like, at first I couldn't stand you because you sounded so confident and sure of yourself that I thought you were a bitch, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah. But then I started to see that like your heart was in the right place and then seeing that it was my own fear. And that's really what it is. Like our beliefs on anyone, like anyone that bothers you, anyone that annoys you, just to ask yourself, like, what is that within me that's bothering me? It's the greatest lesson that we can learn. So, you know, I think that it's impossible to live our lives trying to please everyone because then we're never going to end up pleasing ourselves. And, and anytime that something comes up, if someone has a problem with you to really understand, to not take it personally, that it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I just, I, I've seen that kind of, um, recurring theme for you because you also had something with me. I, I had started listening to your podcast, which everybody, uh, you got to check it out. It's called the highest self podcast. It's, it's the, the number one podcast in health and wellness, in spirituality, spirituality, yeah. uh, really great because it's, it's really honest and transparent. And you and I had a conversation. I, I listened to one of your episodes and I was like, oh my God, I love, I love, you know, cause I, I feel like my, my podcast has lent to me now being on Instagram in particular, but social media kind of with this whole message of like, take one step in front of the other and perseverance and keep going and encouraging people. And I said, God, I feel like I, I have so much to give, but I don't want to, I have my own reasons for not fully opening the floodgates is because as, as an actor, I wonder if it's confusing and it kind of takes away from my act. I don't know, some hangups, but I love what you said. You were like, just, just do it. You should do a course on something and, and describe to everybody. So they hear like, it. it's so in a way it's so basic that it's unbelievable. Like how you were coaching people and you were coaching say 10 clients a day and you realize, God, I'm, I'm kind of, I love this, but it's draining and how you dealt with that and what you did when you lifted up your laptop and we're just like, boom, I'm going to, do you know what I'm talking Remember yeah, what I'm saying? What yeah. You- so I used to do a lot of one-on-one coaching and I realized I was just repeating myself. So, you know, I had learned, I said, seen there's online courses, but I didn't know anything about that. It seemed really confusing. I didn't know what the softwares were. Um, but just the kind of pain of repeating myself over and over and over again, just how much brain space that was, that was taking, that was preventing me from creating new thoughts. Right. And I think we have different roles in, in this world. And some people really thrive off of that, just like one-on-one holding hands, coaching, like that's what they're there for. And other people are more there to share a message and to inspire and to, and to reach uh, mass groups of people. And I realized that that's what I had wanted to do, but I didn't know how. So I decided I'm going to create an online program. And really how it started off was the first one I ever did was it was, I didn't even have a software. It was literally me every week on YouTube live, which is a free webinar software that everyone has access to. And it was, it was called killing your candida. It was about candida, which is a gut issue. And I create a little landing page. It was like $99. And I was like, okay, these are the webinar times I'm going to be on YouTube live. And I've talked about the subject and then I just emailed it to them after. And that was the course. And, you know, I was like super young and I made like $4,500 from that. I was like, 
whoa, like that would have taken me a lot of clients and a lot of talking. And really it was four hours of my time once a week for an hour. So I'm like, okay, well, what if I did something that was larger scale and I recorded myself again, me on my, my laptop computer, just recording myself talking. And I put on a platform, which I found out like through hours and days and months of looking, it's just, there's one called teachable. There's another one called Kajabi. There's a lot of them out there that are like $39 a month. Um, And then I created this program, Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. And since then, I've done so many different programs, Abundance Mindset Masterclass, Awaken Your Powers. And that's been the primary bulk of what my income comes from. And I'm able to reach more people, make it affordable for people. Like now I do my masterclasses like $20, right? Because I just want the maximum number of people to come on. It's actually ends up being more abundance for me and it's easy and it's fun. Yeah. I I did the abundance one. It was 20 bucks. I did it and you were great. And you had the other gentleman on with you. I can't think of his name right now. Um, It was a couple of months ago. And, uh, it seemed like you were having fun and people were firing questions to you. And, uh, yeah, the simplicity of it is, is what boggles my mind that you just, I, I feel like, the difference is you have all of this great information and you've done all the work, but there's another component, which is you just flipped the switch and said like, okay, now I'm going to share it. Yeah. And, and, and your advice to me that day was what I think you do well is just don't judge it and, and don't worry if it's not like smooth and, and all these bells and whistles. It's just like, just get it out there. Mm-hmm. Don't think too much. Yeah, because it's never perfect. And the people, I mean, sign up for courses, you'll see there's typos in there. People stutter. It's not perfect. And so many people I meet have such incredible wisdom that they're not sharing because of this perceived block in their head that content has to be perfect, that I need, you know, a whole video team to set up a course and a custom made website and da da da. So that seems like Mount Everest to climb. So then they end up just, you know, hanging out, drinking a hot chocolate at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that people also don't um, realize is that people, this is what I've, I've learned with my podcast. People are impressed if you're just doing something, anything. I had someone, a casting director recently reach out to me. I'm actually going to interview her this week. Um, she's starting a podcast and she's like, I love what you're doing. I didn't even realize she was following me. I love what you're doing on Instagram, whatever. And I would love to be on your show. And I was like, absolutely. You know, she cast Mad Men. She's won an Emmy. And I was like, awesome. Uh, and I said, any, any help you need with the podcast side of things, I'd love to help you out. I've learned a lot, made a lot of mistakes. And as we started talking, I, I referenced the show and I said, well, you know, I don't know how many you've listened to. And she's like, I haven't, I haven't really listened yet, but I've been seeing what you do. Like she's been seeing like the selfies I do on Mm -hmm. Instagram, I'll talk into the camera or the, it just the posts about the podcast and which have quotes. And I was like, huh, she didn't even hear the actual product, Mm -hmm. but I've been doing it consistently for a year and a half or so. And the message is a message that resonates with her. And that was enough. It's like, it's almost like the bar, people don't realize the bar is actually so low that you just have to like get off your ass and do it. Yeah. Right. The bar is just fear. If the bar can, is fear. If you can overcome fear, it's there. That 
that's been a big takeaway of 10,000 no's. I, I think I'm starting to realize most of the no's yeah. are actually in my own head. I know people with multiple PhDs who still think they're not ready, who still think they're not good enough. What good is your knowledge doing if you keep it to yourself? Yeah. Yeah. It's that my mother-in-law is, um, a doctor of nursing and her doctorate, uh, her dissertation was on the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And she said, that's like, you know, it's a people highly educated, the people that we should be listening to Mm -hmm. and they just can't get over it. Absolutely. And, And it is a shame. And yet I see it, I see it for myself and I see someone like you who, I mean, the, the fact that you're, 28. And if you're listening, don't let that bother you. She just really gets it done. I mean, the fact that you're 28 and you're doing everything that you're doing is so incredible to me because it's, it's another lesson of like how many people, you know, there's, there, there are the people that are highly educated and not putting it out there. And then how many people that are young and think, well, why do I have a right to say anything? I'm, you know, I'm in my, I'm in my twenties or you started writing that book when you were, you said 21, was it? Yeah. Or, I got or, sick, really got sick. sick when, when I was 23, I started writing it. 23, yeah. you started writing, you know, but why not you? Yeah. You know, um, I, I, tell us a little bit about where, uh, guys, it, listen, go listen. If you're, if you're digging Sahara right now, go listen to highest self podcast because she has, sometimes she interviews people. And those are always really um, inspirational and educational. And then sometimes she's just speaking to you. And and these lessons are really, you really, I love that how you, you will give hope, but you will also kind of tell it like it is. And I think my outside take is that that's why there's such a response to you. There's an, there's an honesty to you. Um, and, and before, before I let you go, um, just, this is probably a huge can of worms, but just, could you give everybody the, the, like the, the Pitta, Vata, the whole, cause I'm, I didn't know anything about this. And I started listening to you and I just find it fascinating how you describe the, even just the, like the kind of the, the Pitta days and the, just the, the, the masculine and the feminine, just that little bit. And it'll give everybody enough of a taste to go want to check you out more. Yeah. So these words that he's talking about, Vata, Pitta, Kapha are doshas, which are essentially archetypes in Ayurveda. So we all are a cross between all three, but in varying amounts. So in terms of, let's talk about in terms of productivity, business, auditions, hearing the word no, how this would correlate. So Vata are the type of people that they're really creative. They have a lot of ideas. They're really idealistic, but they may start a lot of projects, not be able to finish them. So if you think about the wind, they have wind energy. So the wind, you can't predict which direction it's going to go. It could be really strong one day. It could kind of not try. So it's unpredictable up in the air. Um, so if you think of, you know, like here in Venice Beach, you meet people, they're like, oh, I'm an actor slash this slash that slash all of these things. But are they really going after anything? Probably, probably for a little bit. And then something else gets them excited. So that's a lot of that vata, that air energy. And what you really need is to bring in the fire. That fire is pitta. So pitta is achievement, it's drive, it's determination, it's hardworking. I mean, if you think about a fire, it's, it's sharp, it can destroy something. So people out of pitta, they're very goal-oriented. Look at people in finance, people in sports. It's like, okay, this is the goal. 
these are the steps I need to take to achieve it. So they're the kind of people who they'll know what's happening every single day. Like they like to keep things under their control, which you were talking about when you were on my podcast, your, uh, I think your friend or your brother, you said was in finance and how he needs to know what's happening June 30th of next year. So that's the pitta in him that needs to know that. But sometimes what can happen is you need the return on investment and everything, but creativity, joy, purpose. Can you really, can you really tell what's going to happen? Sometimes that's a risk. So sometimes pit to people, they want to define and control everything that they end up missing out on these things that may have an intangible benefit. And then that's brings us into the cough of the earth energy. So people out of earth, they're more peaceful, (laughs) grounded, calm. If you think of Oprah, Oprah has a lot of this earth energy, like why she's so amazing. It's not because she's like Tony Robbins and gives a speech and gets up there and gets every, like that's a lot of fire. That's a lot of pitta. Whereas Oprah can just sit, ask you a question. And in those pauses, you find yourself. And most of us are so afraid of the pause. We're so, you know, even this, it's like, we're just going to say next, but it's that pause that you really get deeper into, into the truth. So people with a lot of kapha, they love to sit with someone to understand what's happening to them. They are caretakers. If you think about that, a nurse, for example, a therapist, a coach, um, they also like, you know, working with their hands, doing things that are like almost like in their cooking, something like that. That's also serving others. But a lot of times they're giving to everyone around them that they themselves end up feeling depleted. I saw this firsthand when I went to culinary school and I could see that the chefs never got to eat the food that they made. They're just like eating a piece of bread while they're preparing this beautiful gastronomical meal for other people. And that's that kapha energy. So from that kapha, the earth, I like to say, move into the vata, the air, the, the dreaming. I went on this retreat where I was interviewing Deepak Chopra. It was called This is 50. And it was for women transitioning to their 50s, which is like a lot of earth. You've literally been in service for the past 20 something years to your children, to your husband, to whoever. And it was like, what's your dream? Like, what do you really want? And for most of them, they've never even given themselves permission to dream that even to just think like, I would love like two hours a week to exercise. Like I would love to just start writing again. Just little things like that are what will give them hope. Whereas if, you know, Gary V came and started screaming at them, that would be too much. So I love <laughs> to look at it in these cycles from the air, move to the fire, from the fire, move into the earth, from the earth, move into the air. Thank you. That was, I, that gives people an idea and I hope, uh, the desire to go find out. Yes. More. Um, so, the word no for you really means what? An opportunity for a yes. I like it. Okay. First phrase that comes to mind right now could be a book title, song title, lyric, quote, anything. What comes to mind? For this audience, I think looking into Abraham Hicks and manifestation, law of attraction work could be really powerful. Anything, anyone that, that hits you right now? It comes to you. Mm, I think just holding on to your holding on to that desire without the obsession with it. Huh. And last question: If you could give your younger self advice, you're pretty young already. But if you could give your younger self advice, what age would you intervene, and what would the advice be? Yeah, I think I spent 
too much time. And I think we've all spent too much time just really caring what other people think and to take those things to heart. Like, oh, they said no. Oh, like I'm going to fight with this person. Just like, you're going to do what you're going to do. So just don't worry about it along the way. Just be like, screw it. I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to go for it. Just to not like have those thoughts and those deliberations and to just been like way more in my body the whole time being like, this feels like a guess. So I'm going to turn off my, like, behind. you can shut off. I'll, I'll talk to you later and just gone for it. I think I would have saved myself so much anxiety. So like what, what, how old would you have intervened? Because to me, it seems like you did all that. I did, but, but you think you could have done monologue it earlier. When, in my were, head, when were you yeah. not doing that? Like when, when do you think you were held back? Yeah, I think it was during the time that I was writing Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type and hadn't gotten a book deal yet. That was a time of, you know, it's like the actor in between things, total uncertainty, because here I am just devouring myself into something with no real return. And that was when my parents were like, go become a real estate agent, go do something. And, um, and then part of me feeling like, well, are they right? Are dreams actually supposed to be something you follow? Is this just something they tell you when you're a kid? But then when you grow up, it's like, no, no, you weren't actually supposed to do that. It was like Santa Claus. <laughs> So I was just really confused because I was seeing these people who, you know, maybe were following their dreams, but they were super broke. And then I was seeing these people who had money and stability, but they in no way were following their purpose. So I'm like, wait, I, I have to choose? This doesn't feel right, but I, this is all I'm seeing. So if I had just maybe let go of that monologue, maybe surrounded myself, if I could, I don't even know how I would have found those people, but because... Now that I know, like those kind of people who are living on purpose and creating abundance, they tend to hang around with the other people who are doing that too. And I wasn't in those circles. So here I am just like, I don't know. And had I known that that, that actually was a possibility for me, I wouldn't have had these deliberations in my mind along the way of getting there. Oh, that's a great answer. Uh, Sahara Rose, thank you so much mm -hmm. for being here. Uh, I will put links in the show notes to everywhere you can find Sahara and uh, go read her books, listen to her podcast and follow her on Instagram and everywhere else. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a joy. Yeah. Okay. Was I right or was I right? She's very cool. Yeah. Thank you to former guest Kathy Heller for making the intro. Many takeaways. As you know, I only do three. Here they are. Number one, take the chance. The opening story of Sahara getting up and going on the stage to meet her idol, Deepak Chopra. And we, we joked about be, about it being potentially fatal attraction-esque, but damn, I mean, talk about changing the course of your life with one bold move. As Nike says, just do it. Number two, the caveat about number one is this. When Nike says just do it, that also means just do the work. If you get up on stage to introduce yourself to your idol and you have nothing of value to offer them, you're a stalker. Sorry. If you spent years of your life writing a book, having it rejected a crazy amount of times and now having it published, you're a potential superstar. Do the work. Number three, so many more to draw from, but this one I really love. When Sahara helped the seemingly homeless man across the street with no apparent benefit to herself, she gets the call from Deepak. Coincidence? That's up to you to define what it was. I call it karma. Put good into the world, you get good back. In ways that you can't see coming, in ways you couldn't plan for. I used to just want to believe that, but after doing this podcast for a year and a half for no reason but to try to put good out into the world, I, I have been 
the recipient of more goodwill and more great connections than I ever could have imagined. If you take one thing from today's conversation and this show in general, I think that's it. And that is it for us for today. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're finding the show inspiring, please don't just leave it at that. Tell people about it in whatever way is easiest for you. Just get the word out so others can benefit too. If you're semi tech savvy, take a screenshot of the episode, post it on your social media accounts, rate us on iTunes. If you're my mom, hi mom, just tell your Mahjong group about it. That makes sense? Okay. If you dug Sahara, go check out my conversations with Kathy Heller, who introduced us, Natalie Kogan, or Melissa Bernstein, parts one and two. They all have a similar vibe. As of this recording, we are planning on releasing yet another incredible young woman, top model, entrepreneur, millennial influencer, Simonetta Lean, next week. Great episode. But just a little disclaimer here. We have tons of great conversations in the can already. We do our best with me announcing who's up next at the end of each episode, but sometimes things get shuffled around for various reasons. So just follow me on social media and you'll be inundated with announcements and promo videos of who's next crazy hoodie videos of me walking home from the gym, riffing on some aspect of perseverance. And those handles are at Maddie Dell on Instagram, at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at info at 10,000nos.com. That's the number 10,000, if you want to be added to our mailing list. And I promise we will eventually have some very cool merchandise available at 10,000nos.com. We've got awesome t-shirts. They've got the logo on the chest. It says failure is opportunity across the shoulders and the back. We're getting baseball hats, a 10,000 nose journal. We're not messing around, people. This thing's going to be a gosh darn empire when I'm done with it, and you're going to be wearing the swag to prove it. All right, that's really it. As the Marines would say, get some. Yeah, I'm an idiot. See you next Friday.